go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. at it again it's the ric and the place to be checking in from the jersey shore the football playbook broadcasting around the universe here on this wednesday september 21st part 17 edition as we continue to move and groove and we flip the page from the monday night football showdown philadelphia eagles taking care of business uh on to commander's week you know i told you we would have uh all the previews lined up for you throughout the week. We had Ben Standing from The Athletic yesterday giving us the commander's perspective. And we will uh, have a star-studded lineup for you today. Buckle up. It's a double chin strap affair. Uh, two hours of power on deck. I got my second uh, pot of coffee brewing. So we're going to be all jazzed up, ready, uh, rip-roaring, ready to go here on the Jacob Sports Channel presented by Ocean Casino and Resorts in Atlantic City. And so... Uh, it's Commander's Week. We will have uh, Kayla Santiago in the second hour checking in from Delmarva Sports down there in D.C., of course, a Philadelphia native. And uh, it's a it's a Wednesday. And so then our good friend Glenn Irby from USA Today Eagles Newswire will be coming up at 1030 a.m. Eastern. But, hey, we dive right into it like a Rodney Dangerfield uh, dive here on the Football Playbook with our first guest starting early uh, we're so lucky to have Nikki Jabavala from the Washington Post joining us right here. Good morning, Nikki. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Hey, we appreciate the time. And uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the Football Playbook, making the debut. And um, wanted to get your perspective on the Commanders this season and uh, talk a little Carson Wentz, our good friend. Uh, we'll see the Philadelphia Eagles. So let's start off right there. Uh, a lot of mixed emotions maybe from the Philadelphia fan base and this one's on the road, but when he comes back to Philadelphia, there's a lot of debate. Will they cheer him? Will they boo him? I know the Eagles fans uh, travel well, so there'll probably be somewhat of a Philadelphia contingency there down in the DC area, but what kind of vibe or feeling are you getting from Carson in terms of this upcoming game? Is he kind of taking the ho-hum approach? It's just another game or is he admitting that, Hey, you know what? My old team means a little bit more. We're going to get ready for this one. Yeah, I mean, he kind of alluded to it last week after the game. He said he's expecting some emotions in this game. But, you know, I think going in, they'll say all the usual things. It's just another game, just another opponent. We got to make sure we're right. But I, I do think it's it's a little bit different for him. You know, that's the team that drafted him. That's the team he helped lead to a Super Bowl before his injuries. That's the team where a lot of the turmoil started. Um, so he, he still lauds his coaches there. You know, the guys that have moved on to mostly in Jacksonville, I guess, um, he still seems close to them, but I'm sure there's mixed emotions for him just on, you know, the highs and the lows of, of his time there. 
Yeah, you know, and the Commanders played the Lions this past week. The first overall and second overall pick, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. There wasn't too much. Hi, Nikki. How you doing? So we lost Rick there for a second, but um, I believe he was going to get into uh, the Washington Commanders matchup. And, you know, this Carson Wentz situation with the Philadelphia Eagles is well documented. Uh, we're fully aware that Carson Wentz didn't really leave Philadelphia on the best of terms. So I'm curious to know, you know, what's, you know, what's your measuring stick, right? You know, what's your evaluation of that overall dynamic between Carson and the Eagles and this game coming up on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I think he has a lot of respect for the people that still work there, the people that he was close with. I'm sure he wasn't too thrilled with how it ended, um, but luckily it ended when it did and it didn't go too far. But I think he's he seems to be in, you know, a, a little bit better mindset. Um, of course, I wasn't there in Philadelphia while he was going through that, but he seems that my dog says hello. Um, he seems to, yeah. <laughs> He seems to be in a, a better place now of just understanding what happened and what he needs to do. And um, he seems comfortable here in Washington. Now it's only two games in and they're one-on-one. So we'll see what happens down the road. But, um, you know, he seems pretty confident in what he can do. And I, I think this will be a big game for him and the team especially. Yeah, you know, you can't deny the numbers he's been putting up, right? He's averaging well over 300 yards a game. I think he's tied for the most touchdowns in the NFL right now. He's been playing um, pretty good football, but, you know, we, you know, it's hard to ignore uh, those moments where Carson Wentz doesn't really look like Carson Wentz. It's kind of like that Superman effect. You know, there's moments where he looks like Superman, and then I don't know where he goes in the phone booth, and he's back to Clark Kent. So how, how you know, what's been your pulse of how the fans and just the media, how they've been, I guess, dealing with that, that side of Carson Wentz? Well, I believe as Ron Rivera said, you just take antacids, um, you know, to make it through the the roller coaster ride of the Carson Wentz experience. Um, you know, it's especially fun when you're like out. By the way, the Carson Wentz experience is like great out. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's especially fun when you're on a tight deadline and they come back from twenty two down. So yeah, that's been a joy. No, um, you know, I. I think the fans are still intrigued. You know, that week one showing was, all right, wow, this is, they actually look decent. They actually, at times, look good. You know, they have a lot of weapons there on offense. Um, you can see his his arm talent. You can see what he can be for this offense. And then you get to week two, and it's just a total implosion, not just from him, but from everybody. So I think it's, it's, it's still a bit of an unknown with Wentz. Um, just because of the two showings they've had so far. But, you know, on paper, I think he's definitely an upgrade over what they have. The question is whether he can kind of be consistent enough that they can pull out more wins and it doesn't become this up and down, you know, affair that just leads to losses. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm curious to get uh, Rick's perspective. So I'm going to drop down and I'm going to bring Rick back up. Nikki, I appreciate you so much for being patient with the technical difficulty and we're going to push this thing forward. Thank you so much. Yeah. Hey, he's, he's the man behind the scenes. Sometimes we pop him on the scene. Nikki Jabavala here with us on the football playbook, breaking it down, chopping it up, Washington Commanders and the Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, I wanted to get your opinion on um, Chase Rulier because I know they placed him on the injured reserve. It, it seems like the Eagles bring bad luck. Whatever their opponent is each week, Frank Ragno for the Lions was banged up week one. Uh, this past week against the Vikings, they had um, – 
Bradbury, who who's kind of been labeled as a first round bust. And now this week, uh, the commanders are going to be looking to fill a void at the center position. Who steps up? Who's going to play that role? I, I didn't really see a backup on the depth chart. How are they going to play that situation? Yeah, I think Wes Schweitzer is going to step up. Um, he he stepped into that role last year when Chase really had the ankle injury late in the season. Um, the problem is Wes Schweitzer has also been dealing with a nagging injury, um, hamstring injury. So they're pretty banged up on both sides on the line. Um, so they, they, they did sign Nick Martin, the younger brother of Zach Martin, um, to be a, a depth guy. But he, he does have starting experience. I mean, he three seasons of starting every game in Houston. Um, so that helps significantly. And then they also they have Wes Martin. Um, and Sadiq Charles would be the emergency, emergency option. But, you know, I say emergency lightly because, you know, they got down to their fifth center last year. So this offensive line is, is key. And for the most part, they've held up with injuries over the last season and a half, really. Um, but last game was pretty bad for the first half. So it's pretty paramount that they, they get back in sync. And it, it kind of starts on the interior. Losing Chase really is a underrated loss, in my opinion. I mean, he's a glue guy. Um, no, for sure. He just goes about his business. He's a yeah. lunch lunch bucket guy. and Yeah, and that's know, another change for Carson Wentz that he has to adapt to. So. Yeah, good point. Well, let's talk about Carson Wentz weapons because, you know, I think the commanders kind of have an underrated offensive attack when you look at what Jahan Dotson has done as a rookie so far through two weeks. Mm-hmm. You add him to the mix along with Curtis Samuel, obviously Scary Terry, and, oh, by the way, Logan Thomas has developed into this playmaking tight end. And I look at this matchup like maybe this is where Washington could take advantage of a mismatch because uh, Darius Slay played the game of his life against Justin Jefferson. He's probably going to be on McLaren. But mm-hmm. Bradbury on Samuel, I feel like Samuel's a twitchy guy. Bradbury's a bigger corner. And then Dotson in the slot against Avante Maddox is going to be a very good matchup. But I think Washington arguably could hold the edge there. Do you think that uh, this offense will look to attack through the air? Have they been a, a balanced attack? I really don't know what their ratio is between pass and run. But how how are the commanders going to attack this Eagles defense, do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's the beauty of, of the offense and the players they have, right, is they have so many options and they have so many players who can do multiple things, you know, running backs that were once receivers, tight ends that were quarterbacks. Um, they got they got guys that can pretty much do whatever they need. Um, so it's a good opportunity for for Scott Turner to get creative again. But, yeah, that that secondary is, is pretty freaking good. Um, you know, it, it's been imbalanced. It's been mostly a passing game for them. Um you know, letting Carson Wentz air it out. And that's when that's when they were the most successful against the Jaguars, but they got to get that ground game going. And to me, that starts up front. And again, that goes back to the Rulier, uh injury is whether that line can hold up. Um, you know, they did better in the second half last week. They were terrible in the first half. And, and until they get that established, I, I think they're going to kind of face the same problems where, you know, you're going to have the slow starts. It's going to sh- you're going to struggle to get that passing game open. So, you know, I think they got to establish a run game early and it's going to be tough against this team. Well, yeah, speaking of the run game, uh, you know, it was a little faulty last week, just what I saw on paper. I think Gibson had uh, 14 carries for 28 yards. Brian Robinson still working his way back from that unfortunate uh, incident. 
uh, J.D. McKissick comes across more of, as like a pass-catching threat out of the backfield. So is it just kind of Gibson until the wheels fall off and, and wait for Brian Robinson to come back with the running attack? No, I think this is this is where you look at your versatile guys, the receivers, too. I mean, they're capable of taking the ball out of the backfield as well. I mean, we've seen Terry do it. We certainly know Curtis Samuel can do it. Um, I think this is where they get multiple guys involved. Um, so, I, I obviously, AG is going to be kind of that feature back, but they've also been using him more in space. So, as long as they can get something established in the ground game, it's going to open things up, you know, to be able to use AG in space and on the ground. So, um you know, I think we'll see a good bit of everybody. I, I think J.D. McKissick is another underrated player. I mean, just what he's able to do, not just on third downs, but um, whenever they need him, he's he's one of those guys that somehow comes up with a big play every game. Yeah, he seems to show up every week and, mm-hmm. and like you said, makes a play. And good point, Curtis Samuel, not so much. Maybe there was early on in his career at Carolina where he was getting some backfield reps, but I go back to his days at Ohio State where they really utilized him in the backfield and that is definitely something I think the Eagles should be prepared for. Keep an eye on. You talk about these interchangeable parts. Mm-hmm. That's a good point out of uh, Nikki Jabavala here, Washington Post on the football playbook, uh, preparing us for the Commanders and Eagles. Game day coming up 1 p.m. Eastern at FedEx Field. Uh, Washington holding the all-time series record here, 87, 81, and 5. But the Eagles did sweep the season series a year ago, so – uh, it's going to be a jam-packed affair, I'm sure. And let's change some gears over to the defensive side because um, they are banged up, and we'll get to that on, on the defensive line. But Cam Curl, it sounds like he's coming back this week. Yeah. Uh, the safety there, maybe a little bit of relief, and they're going to need it with the way Dallas Goddard is playing. I'm assuming Curl is a guy, big-bodied, maybe can match up uh, on Goddard a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Curl is one of their best players period. And, you know, I maybe, maybe not, maybe I'm not in the minority in thinking that, but I think he's one of those um, Swiss army knife type players where you can move him around to pretty much any position on the field back there. Um, Safety slot outside, drop him in the box, have him fall back in coverage. He's a good blitzer. Um, So whatever you need, he's capable of doing. And like Ron Rivera mentioned the other day, he, he brings a presence that, you know, Derek Forrest had a great game in week one, but Cam Curl brings a presence that you know you have to account for him. Um, so I think that's that's huge for the secondary. That's huge for the defense overall um, and will help significantly in this game. I think the biggest thing for the defense is eliminating those chunk plays. I mean, they, they give up 50-yard plays like like it's nothing. It's, you know, they got to eliminate those. That, that's ultimately what's what's killing them in these, in these losses and, you know, when they get behind. But, you know, that – that affects all three levels. You know, you got to get the rush game in sync with, you know, the linebackers in the secondary. So, you know, I think having Cam Curl will be, be- will be better, um, but they got to clean it up on every phase, really. Yeah, we saw that from the Eagles week one. They got better in week two. But get, let's give a little credit to those Detroit Lions because they got a heck of an offensive line. Mm-hmm. The running back gashed Philadelphia for big plays, both DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. I mean, there was plays where they were carrying – these Eagle defenders into the end zone. So I think Detroit is much more competitive. I don't know if it'll translate to the W's, but I do think that they're not an easy out. Um, They're only going to get better. And so what kind of adjustments? I know you just recently wrote an article on the Washington post about the uh, 
defensive adjustments that Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio could be making? What do you foresee? Mm -hmm. What do you anticipate? First of all, they got to account for the run game. I mean, the Eagles have been putting up numbers that are just crazy in the run game. So if they thought the Lions were bad, they're up for a bigger challenge. So that that line has to really hold it together. Um, they can't keep getting gashed like that on the ground game. And um, again, that's another thing that affects all three levels, but it starts up front, obviously. Um, so that that's probably the biggest thing that they got to work on. And that's been a season long thing that even goes back to last season. The players and coaches admitted too, is they, they just got to clean it up and it starts with the little things, you know, the communication, um, the alignments, the, you know, gap fitting everything. So, um, yeah, they, they really got to be on point with that. Yeah, and they got those two big Alabama boys up front there, uh, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, uh, doesn't quite, install the same kind of fear when when chase young is on the field but mm -hmm. uh i remember montez sweat down at the senior bowl and seeing him there and saying man this is a good looking player now i haven't been able to keep tabs throughout his professional career i see him show up occasionally mm -hmm. on the highlight film but uh how has montez sweat kind of been impacting the pass rush there minus chase young because i imagine with young in the lineup he gets a little bit more uh flexibility there right yeah yeah I mean definitely more attention is going to be devoted to young whenever he's on the field that it's just the presence alone um but the interior line has been kind of the leader of that group I mean those two I they've been playing so well over the last you know year and a half really I mean Duran Payne has come out you know blazes this season so um you know those two are, are critical and it's it's been tough on the edges i mean it's montez sweat has been playing pretty well but you know a missed assignment here and there and that gives up a big play so they really got to lock it down on the edges um the interior the worry there is the depth because they've they've already faced a number of injuries um john allen is dealing with a groin injury but he's still playing um so if, if they can hold it together they have a chance but you know the bigger concern to me is the back end of that defense um you know, just the communication, you know, do they understand the system? I'm not sure yet. It's been two years and I'm not sure they understand the scheme and what their responsibilities are because there are just so many mind boggling mishaps every week. It's just like, what just yeah. happened? You know. <laughs> well, I know let's talk about the second level because uh, Cole Holcomb, a good friend of the show, by the way, mm -hmm. tell him I said hello. If you see him, he, he's, he's usually pretty dependable and shows up. Uh, but uh, Jamin Davis a little bit of a streaky performer from what I've heard as an outside perspective, uh, mm -hmm. hasn't really fulfilled expectations. What's your finger on the pulse with Jamin Davis there? I think the biggest problem with Jamin Davis is he shouldn't have been picked in the first round. You know, that always comes with significant expectations as it should, because the team invests heavily into the player, but you know, he started one year at Kentucky and is trying to adapt to the system. And they tried to put him at Mike initially, which is, pretty tough as a rookie, no matter how much experience you've, you've had, especially in Jack Del Rio's system. Um, they've been moving him outside more, but he's still a rookie and still adjusting. Um, but yeah, he's had moments where he looks like, you know, the freak athlete that he is and is, you know, able to plow through the line and get a sack. And then others where it's just like, he looks lost. He has no idea what he's doing back there. So, you know, I, I, Put a lot of it on coaching frankly um i think you know obviously part of it is on him but it's you know he's he's still young and and learning is just you know he was, probably should have been a day two pick not first round so yeah he he played uh 
lights out his senior year or his final year at Kentucky really shot up the draft board. And, and you're right. He probably got a little overdrafted. And as we learned here in Philadelphia with Jalen Rager, who's no longer here, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they try to stick with those first round picks as, mm-hmm. as long as they can. They took him in the first round for a reason. So they're trying to find exactly. their way out of that situation. You know, let me pick your brain here before we let you go. I saw yesterday, uh, the Hall of Fame put out their list of nominees for the upcoming class. And the one Brian Mitchell uh, is one of the nominees this year. And especially, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I feel like special teams always gets kind of shafted when it yeah. comes to, to Hall of Fame. And did they put Devin Hester in yet? I, I can't recall if they put I think, Devin. I think so. I think they finally did. Yeah. So, yeah. But Brian Mitchell, I mean, this guy – was as good as it gets, and he played for the Eagles, the Reds, but he had so many kick returns for touchdowns. I hope the Hall of Fame voters keep that in mind, but real quickly here, I mean, any thoughts on Brian Mitchell's Hall of Fame candidacy? Yeah, I mean, it's always tough. Like you said, special teamers, and no, Devin Hester was not in. I just looked it up. Um, But, (laughs) you know, it's always like that for certain positions. I mean, for the longest time, there were hardly any safeties, and they had a wave of safeties go in with, you know, John Lynch and others. So, um, you know, it, it may take a couple of years. Hopefully it doesn't take too long to where he's no longer in the pool of modern era players because it, then it just becomes more difficult to get in. But I, I think at some point they're going to have to recognize what him and Devin Hester did. It's, you know, they affected games in, in ways no other players could. So I think you have to recognize that at some point. Um, but, you know, there's, there's always going to be positional groups. There's always going to be teams who feel like they've been um, – jaded by you know or or snubbed by the pro football hall of fame because they don't have as many candidates in but you know washington does have a a strong history of of having hall of famers in there and i think it's only a matter of time before brian mitchell gets in yeah devin hester should be in there yeah it's remarkable isn't it that he's not steve tasker should be in there Mm -hmm. and i got news for you like you might not ever see another brian mitchell with the new rules that the nfl has implemented you might not see a guy like that yeah around anymore so all right i know you're very busy we appreciate the time nikki before we let you go drum roll please uh are you allowed to give us a prediction sure i i mean i i I think philly's gonna take this um you know i i think for any other team home field advantage would be a good thing but i think as you said philly travels well their fans so um in the way they're playing especially their run game and the problems you know, Washington has had in the run game. I think Philly takes it. I'm going to go with All right. 34, 27 Eagles. You're, you're going to make we'll our chat room. I will, don't, hold <laughs> <me>. <laughs> don't worry. We won't tell uh, the local media, but the, the chat room is going to be very happy to hear this. <laughs> and uh, before we let you go, you know, I have my Rivera Strong shirt. Are we going to get a uh, Nikki Strong edition? Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I'm getting through it. I'm working through it, so. Awesome. I, I, I really was not that aware until uh, the show. So uh, keep fighting the good fight. Thank Something you. that hits very close home to me. And I'm sure a lot of people listening and tuned in. So appreciate the time, Nikki Javavala, Washington Chris. Post. And uh, maybe we can do it again down the road. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right. There she is. Uh, one of the best in the business. Happy to have her here on the football playbook. She's been doing uh, this probably for longer than I have. I, I go back to uh, her, I think the uh, Denver Post days. She was there for quite a while and popping up on uh, NFL Network and various media outlets. So there you have it. Uh, 
we got a commander's beat writer to pick the Eagles uh, chat room. You happy about that? We're just getting started here on the football playbook. It's Rick Saratella here on this Wednesday, September 21st. It's our 17th episode on the Jacob Sports Channel. Uh, 12 hours daily, live premier digital media outlet for your Philadelphia Eagles. Make sure you hit the like button. Click uh, subscribe to get all the show notifications. It's all brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts. Now, uh, we got the Washington Commanders perspective. When we come back from the commercial break, we'll have our good friend who's got the herb. Glenn Irby checking in. Eagles Newswire USA Today coming up right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. at it again it's the football playbook rsc in the place to be broadcasting live from the jersey shore around the universe uh we're so happy to have all our global listeners 
Uh, by the way, Aaron Sippus, he's making the Eagles a global team, by the way, down there in Australia. They already had Jordan Mulata. My understanding now is Sippus is a uh, national folklore hero after his special teams tackle. They're, uh, they're up in arms down there in, in Australia drinking Foster's. Um, great job out of Nikki Jabavala there, Washington Post. So uh, happy to have her on the show. And she picks the Eagles. How about that, guys? Um, Shun Gun in the chat room. Shout out to all the chat room people. Hit the like button, subscribe. Get our likes up. Can you help us out here in the algorithms, please? Um, do I have to sing like Derek Gunn? Is that what it's going to take to get my likes up? I'll sing something for you if we hit 100 today. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bust out some bars at the end of the show. Um, Shun Gun says, what's up with your boy Dan Cilio hating on Hurt so much? You know, I didn't get to see Cilio's show yesterday, but I saw, I saw quotes floating around. I thought Cilio was praising the, uh, the Jalen Hurts performance. So what, what did he say exactly? I didn't catch that. Uh, what did my fellow Paisan out there say about Jalen Hurts? He's uh He's a game changer. Good morning to all our uh, listeners out there. And uh, Glenn Irby behind the scenes in the chat room. We'll pop him on the scene, waiting patiently in the virtual green room. Hey, there he is, Glenn. Good morning. How are you today, brother? Good, Rick. How are you doing this morning? Oh, man. Always a pleasure to have you here each and every Wednesday. Get your finger on the pulse on our Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, let's start off and get your perspective on that big Monday night football win. I think everybody's still smiling from ear to ear after that performance. Not a lot to pick apart. Uh, what, what were your thoughts and impressions? Um, I think it went the, about the way we discussed it. Um, Hertz was magnificent. He spread the ball around. You know, he got Devontae Smith involved early. Um, Jonathan Cannon responded. We talked about that in terms of his matchups, his uh, rotations, his snap counts for guy. Um, Darius Slay was outstanding. So it, it went about the way that, that we had a great game plan for Justin. So it was a great Monday night performance. Yeah. And meanwhile, the uh, Dallas Cowboys, the Cooper Rush led Dallas Cowboys, they get a W. New York Giants get a W. And so now this uh, this week three matchup with the Washington Commanders suddenly has some uh, divisional implications. I know the Eagles swept the season series last year. I think, you know, at this stage of the game, the Eagles should hope or expect to sweep the commanders again uh, this year. Now they're, they're down in DC. The Eagles fans usually travel pretty well. Uh, what do you make going into this commanders matchup on the road? Um, it's a good matchup on paper. It's a matchup that, you know, the Eagles should dominate, but then you have the Carson Wentz effect. So, I feel like, you know, at some point he's going to unload. He's just going to have a great game on the Eagles. Now, you would hope that he gets it out of the system this week, and it doesn't happen when he comes back to Philly. But I think the uh, the numbers and analytics, he's going to have a good game, one of them. So I think that's a big storyline to watch. I think, you know, he has solid receivers. So, you know, that's a storyline to watch as well. So it'll be an interesting week from a build-up perspective and things like that. Yeah, you know, I think the more they throw it, the more susceptible I, I, I feel an interception coming on. Darius Slay is going to be there uh, lurking. And we talked about the the cornerback wide receiver matchups and how Slay would most likely draw Jefferson. I think this week he'll draw McLaren. Avante Maddox and Jahan Dotson is going to be a good one in the slot. Certainly. Curtis Samuel, though, I think James Bradbury is going to draw this assignment. And 
I don't know. You tell me. That could be a little bit difficult for the lankier Bradbury going up against the shiftier Samuel. That might be one of the mismatches that the Eagles have to account for. And our good friend Nikki Jabavala, who was on before you, also mentioned like Curtis Samuel. He could be a guy that goes into the backfield, maybe takes some running back snaps. Uh, how are the Eagles going to defend this offensive attack with Logan Thomas, oh, by the way, emerging as a playmaker and red zone threat as well? Well, I think it's similar to how they handle Justin Jefferson and, and, and Adam Thielen. So I think it'll be a situation where when Samuel's all right, you could see Slay on him and you could see Bradbury on McLaurin because he's a big, bigger, more physical receiver. So you could yeah. also see Chauncey Gardner-Johnson matched up on on one of those two as well. So I think it's just about matchups. I think it's just about how Jonathan Gannon plays it. I think he's comfortable. I think Monday night gave him a good indication of how all those defensive backs can be versatile, hybrid guys. So it's just about mixing and matching and, and getting the best matchup for your defense, not necessarily reacting to what Washington wants to do. No, that's a good point. Uh, C.J. Johnson could also draw some assignments there. Uh, we're talking to Glenn Irby, Eagles Newswire USA Today, here each and every Wednesday. Let's talk about the defensive line rotation because it looked like they got everybody involved. Uh, nobody played more than 66, 67% of the snaps. I think Reddick and, and Cox had the most amongst the bunch. Do you like this game plan moving forward? Jordan Davis still just 21 reps, 22 last week. I don't know if we see his role increase. What do you, what do you make of that? I, I think it's, it depends on matchups. I think once, you know, you get a situation where they run into teams that like to run the ball more than they'll pass, then you'll see Jordan Davis's snaps increase. But I think right now, Gannon has an idea what he wants to do with the rotation. I, th I think it's about keeping Hargrave and Fletcher Cox fresh. Milton Williams has been playing well. So I think that's the reason why Davis is still stuck at that 20-21 range. I think, you know, they're all Marlon Tulotu is playing well. So I think it's a situation where you have good depth up front, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think as the season progresses, injuries wear and tear, he, he could start to see more snaps. But I think right now, Gannon likes what he sees, and then when, when Davis is inserted into the lineup, he's impactful. He is, and – you know, I, I still want to see him a little bit more in there, and I think we will as the season progresses. You know, 14th overall selection, you'd like to see him play a little bit larger role, and, you know, we'll give it some time. We'll let that situation breathe. Now his former uh, collegiate teammate down there in Georgia, Nakobe Dean, not selected as high because of that injury, but talent-wise, he was talked about as a first-round guy. The linebackers, though, Unlike the defensive line, the linebackers, uh, Kaiser White, TJ Edwards, they've played the bulk of the reps. Is N'Kobe Dean not playing just because Edwards is at such a high level, or does Dean need to progress a little bit more, or is it a combination of both? What are you hearing about that? I think it's a combination of both, but I think TJ Edwards has played outstanding. I think he was one of, one of the leading tacklers on Monday night. Kazir White has played good. He's been he's been good in space. So I think it's just about Nicobe Dean learning the NFL game. You know, he didn't start as a freshman in Georgia. So it's all about progression. So I think again, same with Davis. As we talk about as the year goes along, guys get hurt, guys get banged up, he'll play more. But I think for now it's just about TJ Edwards is really one of the better players on defense. And there's no sense in taking him out of the lineup for a rookie who could get overwhelmed at times anyway. No, I agree with that logic. Uh, Edwards has been solid, and <clears throat> you really don't know what you're getting with Dean at this point. So why put him in there at a critical stage of the game? 
Uh, I mentioned the snap count. Uh, two safeties played 100%. Bradbury, I think, also played 100%. Darius Slay, who, oh, by the way, was just named NFC Defensive Player of the Week, as he should be. Correct. He, he only played 80% of the snaps. Now, I know he was a little banged up in that game. Is he good to go 100% for this matchup? He's fine. I think it was just a, a situation where he was banged up early on in the game. And then towards the end of the game, they, they, they got the lead. And then you had situations where he made the big plays. And after each big play, he was a little gassed. So I think it was a situation where McPherson got a few more reps. And because Slade got the interceptions, he had a return on a couple of them. It was just a situation about getting him some rest. But he's good to go. Okay. All right, let's switch things up. Let's go over to the offensive side and – uh, the Eagles, I think they have the number one rushing attack in the entire National Football League. Uh, again, the breakdown of the percentages, I think Miles Sanders was in there for you know half of the snaps. The other half of the snaps were divvied up between uh, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott. You know, Hertz was in there, uh, you know, I think 11, 13 rush attempts. So it's almost like a four-headed monster that you've got to account for. Correct. This is quite the rushing attack. I'm happy with the way that they're utilizing this earth, wind, and fire combination. I think this is kind of the recipe for success throughout the season. Get Keep Miles Sanders healthy. Let's get him into the playoffs. And listen, he could be maybe more effective with lesser touches. Sometimes less is more, right? Correct. I think we talked about it last week. You would like him again to to take the bull, you know, to take the reins, be a twelve hundred yard back. But I think he can be that twelve hundred yard back with this committee approach. You know, you give Gangwell his sixteen touches, you give Boston Scott his twelve. Hertz is going to carry the ball about twelve times per game per game anyway. So I think it's a situation where again they'll run teams out of the building. You won't wear your running back down. He'll finally get his thousand yards. He'll definitely get a new contract if he does what he has to do. And I think everyone's happy. So I think from that standpoint, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator, has done an amazing job with his run-pass ratio, keeping everything fresh, innovative, and consistent. I think that that's just the way to go. You know, you just made a really good point, Glenn, that I haven't talked about on my show much. You know, we make so much about Jalen Hurts possibly getting a new deal, but Miles Sanders is another guy that's going to be up for uh, a little payday. You know, I wonder how – the two are connected in terms of what, 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 I don't know what the Eagles cap flexibility will be next year, but should they extend a Jalen Hurts say this off season, do you think there's enough in the kitty for them to also bring back Miles Sanders? And there's also a lot, I think there's a lot of pending free agents. Is it, is it feasible? Do you think if you, if you give Jalen the long-term money to also bring back Miles Sanders? I think so. I think the idea is to give Jalen the long-term running, but in terms of actual football contracts, he'll still have a year on his deal. So that'd be a situation that we'll watch. That'd be a situation we can look at. Howie Roseman likes to get, you know, long-term deals done early, but he doesn't necessarily have to get a deal done early with, with Hurts. In terms of Sanders, I don't think he's going to want to pay him more than six or seven million a year. So that'll be a situation to watch in terms of if, if Miles will want to test free agent, if free agency, if you'll feel like he can get a better deal on the open market, or if he just wants to come back, continue with the committee approach, stay fresh and get his yardage while trying to compete for a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's gonna be a tough, tough situation, I think, because man, six to eight million for a running back, 
you wonder, uh, you know, can Kenny Gainwell step up and take over that role or do they move on and, you know, save a couple money? I look at the Saquon Barkley deal and the Ezekiel Elliott deal, and I feel like big money running backs, uh, especially multi-year deals, rarely do they pan out. Uh, I know there's a, a, a bunch of other examples, but, yeah, that's going to be a situation worth monitoring. We're going to have to, you know, kind of – dig up who the agent is there for, for Miles Sanders and kind of break that down a little bit more. And I can't believe we went almost 10 minutes into the segment before I said uh, Jalen Hurts, who was, you know, the star of the show on Monday night football, big time players making big time plays in big time moments as coach Nick Sariano Sariani alluded to on Jalen Hurts, you know, however, Glenn, looking around the media landscape, there's still doubters and, 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 and people hating on Jalen Hurts' style of play. I mean, is it just to the point where no matter what this man does, there's going to be criticism? Because I don't know what else he can do to silence the critics. They say he doesn't have the accuracy. I saw improved accuracy, both short-term, intermediate, and on the deep ball especially. They say he can't pick up blitzes. I don't know. I see him reading the blitz, taking off and running when he needs to be. People might not like the style of play. All this man has done is played at a high level, even dating back to the end of the last season. We see the ball releases getting faster out of his hands. I mean, what more do people want from Jalen Hurts? I think they just want him to be perfect. Perfect. I think we talked about it prior in the prior shows in terms of the fan base, the expectation. All he has to do is continue to win. I think there aren't a lot of just, there are only one Justin Herbert. There's only one Patrick Mahomes in this league. So in terms of how he throws the ball, how he, how the passing game develops, that's that's a new, a new point for him. It's about being accurate, making good decisions, being a dual threat, because we want him to be a dual threat. He, his legs get him out of, out of, out of if, well, you have a Michael Parsons and pass rushers like that in this league, you want your quarterback to be able to escape pressure. So for him, I think it's just about continuing to be accurate, continuing to make good decisions, spreading the ball around, being able to utilize the middle of the field and everything else will work itself out. Yeah, and I, I said this uh, on one of the shows earlier in the week. The only person who's going to stop Jalen Hurts at this point is Jalen Hurts himself. Correct. If he Correct. takes too many hits or he does a Carson Wentz and dives head first, but I don't see that out of him. You know, we, we've heard him talk about his baseball playing days, going back to the youth and learning how to slide at an early age and Nick Saban kind of drilling that into him, even at Alabama. But, man, I just go back to his progression. Like, he was so raw at Alabama, and then he goes to Oklahoma, you see the signs of progression where you could you can argue, he didn't win the Heisman, but you can argue he ran that Oklahoma-Lincoln-Riley offense more efficiently than a Kyler Murray or even a Baker Mayfield did. Go check the numbers. So I don't know. I mean, this is a third-year quarterback who's progressed every year in college. He's progressed every year in the pros. Oh, by the way, he's only 24 years old, Glenn. I said on yesterday's show, right here in state, Pittsburgh Steelers got a rookie quarterback, 25 years old. He can't even see the field. What a luxury to have a guy 24 years old going into his third season, his second year as a starter. For sure. And we talked about those intangibles. And then we talked about prior on the show, this is his first time, like literally since high school, since I think 11th grade of having the same offensive coordinator, same play caller, same system. So imagine what he's going to do eight games from now. Imagine what he's going to do next season. 
Like this is the first the first time in his career he's had any continuity from a coaching staff. So we talk about him improving and the things he needs to do on a year to year basis. But what about the coaches and the, the the you know the uprooting of coaches he's had over his career? So I think he's only going to get better. His his throwing mechanics have to improve. They'll continue to improve. He's good at sliding and getting out of bounds. Yeah, he's going to take shots, but I don't see him taking any more shots than Carson Wentz or any other quarterback that Wes was here. So I think it's just about giving him the weapons. He's utilizing his weapons. Monday night was a, a great – he did a great job. I think he spread the ball around the six or seven different guys. So so he's picking it up. He's getting there. And I think this is like his 22nd start. I think Saturday, Sunday will be his 22nd start as a pro. So the sky's the limit for him. Pretty good, man. Pretty good. I – he sold me. I mean, I've seen what I needed to see. I've watched a lot of football in my lifetime, and I just don't understand some of these folks who are still on the fence in terms of whether or not this is a franchise quarterback. I can't imagine uh, three years into the Nick Sariani experiment that they want to blow this thing up, start all over with a rookie quarterback. Uh, we mentioned the upcoming free agents, not really much to choose from there. And Look at San Francisco. They worked out five quarterbacks yesterday. They got they had to get rid of Nate Sudfeld when they brought back Jimmy G. They guaranteed him two million, then cut him. I I'm sure they wish they had him back, but that's what happens. You know when you when you think the grass is greener on the other side, go ask Kyle Shanahan down there in San Francisco because Trey Lance. There's a lot of questions there now. The Jimmy G's in there. I feel a lot better about the I mean, San Francisco situation, right? You, you'd have to think about it. Yeah, two years ago when Howie did all that that trading and moving back, there were questions about, well, why aren't you trying to move up? Why aren't you trying to address the quarterback position? So say he doesn't move back. Say, okay, he couldn't get Kyle Pitts. He couldn't get Jamar Chase. But say he was able to stay at two or three. You're sitting here now talking about Zach Wilson, who has it. I mean, he's a solid quarterback, but he hasn't shown you that he can lead a team and he hasn't even played enough. And you'd be sitting here talking about Trey Lance as well. So I think from a quarterback perspective, if it's not C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, we're not talking about another quarterback in the 2023 draft and he's not going to be better than Hurts. So if you're not getting one of those two players, what are we what are we really talking about? No, I agree with that. And then the other side of me says, like, as good as Stroud and Young look, there's still a transition. There's still a learning curve. Correct. And, you know, we talked about this the other day, too. Like, even when Wentz was still here and Hurts started those final four games of the season, he was kind of looking over his shoulder. It wasn't really his team yet. I mean, this whole team rallies around Jalen Hurts. Like, he is the ultimate leader. You mentioned intangibles. This guy has it all. He's the first one in, the last one out. People look up to him. They respect him. They lean on him. A veteran like A.J. Brown comes in and is like, yo, that's my quarterback. So, like, to me, it would be a big, big mistake uh, to move on from a Jalen Hurts when he's shown you everything, guys. He's shown it right here uh, towards the end of last season, first two games of this season, and we'll continue to break it down. And I'll continue to conduct the train Glenn, we got plenty of room aboard the uh, Jalen Hurts season train. So um, I'm on the bandwagon. I'm here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so let's talk about the weapons now uh, because he distributed the ball very much like I think we wanted to see. I was happy Devonta Smith caught the first pass. We got that out of the way. Right. Got that over um, yeah, right. And so this is something, though, I'm looking on paper. We talked about the, the Eagles corners on the Washington receivers. You know, I have my uh, depth chart here in front of me. I have, you know, 
Kendall Fuller on AJ Brown looks like a mismatch. Uh, William Jackson on Devonta Smith looks like a mismatch. I know Cam Curl is coming back for Washington. Maybe he draws the assignment there on Dallas Goddard. Uh, even uh, St. Juice, who came out of Minnesota Gophers, he, him and Tariq Castro-Fields of Penn State, I guess, is, is their slot corner. We saw what Quez Watkins did uh, this week. I mean, pick your poison. It, it looks like a mismatch at, at all three wide receiver positions here. I think so. I agree. I think that this week you're probably Pascal even get involved even more because of his size and his abilities in the red zone. So I think it's a situation where week one and similar to last week, it would just be about Jalen taking what the defense gives him, spreading the ball around, definitely targeting A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, utilizing game, fishing in the red zone and third downs. And I think it should be an easy victory. Easy victory. Oh, uh, we like that. Uh you know, usually the in-division games are typically closer, but you look at what the Lions did to the Commanders versus how the – I mean, I think we all probably, myself included, overreacted about allowing 35 points to the Lions and, hey, this is a three-win club. We we barely eked out the victory. And then week two comes along and they take it – you know, they take it to Washington pretty good. And we say, oh, wait. Maybe, maybe they're Detroit's... not bad, right? They're not bad yeah. at all. The, the, St. Brown, the, the Lions aren't bad at all. And that's, that's where I get the idea of you throw in the Carson Wentz situation, you throw in these guys getting ready to get on the bus train, however they're going to DC and playing. But them, they're going to want to have Jalen Hurts back specifically because of who the opposing quarterback is. So I, that's why I you could catch them maybe looking ahead next week when you start talking about Jacksonville and that situation. But I think in terms of them playing Wentz, Having Hurts back, them trying to finally get this situation put behind, I think I think they'll be focused. I think they'll be a fresh group, and I think it'll just be about taking what the, the, the commanders give them, pressuring Wentz. They know he'll give the ball up once or twice. That's a fact, and not allowing any big plays in the secondary. Yeah, I mean, for the amount of times they picked off Kirk Cousins, I would I, I would expect to see similar kinds of results and, and winning the turnover battle, winning the time of possession. I think they dominated the time of possession, uh, the balanced attack. I think they had 13 passing touchdowns and 10 rushing touchdowns. So I think we'll continue to see a lot of the same. I, I'm going to get a prediction from you before we go, but first, you know, I mentioned this to uh, Nikki Jabavala from the Washington post because Brian Mitchell played for both the Eagles and who are now the commanders, but Washington, Philadelphia, we don't really see the kick return extraordinaires in the, in the modern day NFL because the rules have changed and there's not as many big returns like there once was. And I, I, you know, I'm still shocked. Devin Hester hasn't been put in. I don't know what that means to Brian, we uh, Brian Mitchell's uh, hall of fame candidacy, but I made this point in the last segment, like you might not see a, a, an impact kick return like that ever again with the, with the way the game is played now, where, where do you kind of stand on his hall of fame nomination? I think he's worthy. I think you have a situation where, like you said, he returned kicks for both teams. He returned kicks for scores for both teams. A lot of those kickoff returns impacted games. So I think from a standpoint, the hall of fame is about how, said players impacted the game like like him and Devin Hester they impacted the game they they broke records 
they, you know, they they will their franchise to playoffs. So I, I think I think it works. I think we'll get to a situation now sooner or later where there's not going to be any kick returns. I think we'll still potentially have punt returns, but I think we're soon get to the phase where they're just going to drop the ball on the twenty and say go ahead and say go ahead with your business. So I think from that standpoint, Mitchell definitely deserves to be in him and Hester. Yeah, I think so too. And I'll throw Steve Tasker in the in the mix there as a special teams dynamo. I mean, definitely, definitely. In terms right? of, I mean, these guys get the ball games. Is Tasker Definitely. in there? Did they put Tasker in? I don't know. The special teams are a weird deal when it comes to the Hall of Fame. I thought Hester was already in, and then Nikki told me no, he's not. No, not which yet. is that's a tra- that's a travesty. I think he'll get in. I don't I don't necessarily know if it'll be anytime soon, but I think in terms of that's the only those are the only stats or the only, you know, the situations, those situations you can gauge him by. So I think he'll get in, but I think it, it'll be a it'll be some time. Yeah, and I, I mean, he wasn't as good as Dion Primetime Sanders, but uh, I mean, Hester was another guy. Played a little uh, corner, played a little receiver, returned some kicks. I mean, he was a heck of a player. So uh, I was just curious to get your thoughts on that. Uh, one last one, Dick Vermeil. He went in the Hall of Fame as a member of the Philadelphia Eagles. He received his ring at halftime of the Monday Night Football game. But to me, the interesting thing here is. I was trying to go back and, and think I can't name a better offense than the greatest show on turf when he was with uh, the then St. Louis Rams, who are now the L.A. Rams. Of course, Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, um, Torrey Holt, big game, uh, Azahir Hakeem, uh, Ricky Pro. I mean, the list goes on and on. But he said, hey, you know what? Philadelphia is in my heart. They mean the world to me. And he goes in as a Philadelphia Eagle. That's pretty cool deal, man. I think so. I think it's where, you know, he got his start. I think that's where he went to his first Super Bowl. I think it's where the first time he had to retire. So I think it's a lot with that. You have movies made off of his time in yeah. the Eagles. So, you know, I think it's a big deal. Um, he's a Philly guy. He's still in the area for the most part. So I, I think that was that was hurt. Yeah, no, I like it. All right, uh, we'll get you out of here, Glenn. We're talking to Glenn Irby, Eagles Newswire on USA Today. Before your prediction, uh, what, what do you got cooking on the Eagles Newswire? What can fans find when they go log on? What do you got coming up? A uh, whole bunch of previewing the commanders went. Um, Darius Slade's big week, A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts, talking about his potential contract, all those different things. We're just really getting ready for, for a huge, huge week of Carson Wentz talk as the week builds up. Yeah, and hopefully uh, when you come back next week, the Eagles will be still soaring high, sky high, 3-0. You know, we're, we're predicting. or is That's, that's the expectation. Correct. What, what, can we get a Glenn Irby score prediction before you go? I expect a shootout. I think it'll be fireworks. I think Wentz will take his chances, and, and with the weapons he has, he has he'll, he'll get them. But I think in the end, it'll be a similar score. I think I see the Eagles winning 35-27. Ooh, okay. High-scoring affair. High scoring affair. All right. Hey, let the fireworks begin. We'll see how it plays out, and uh, we'll come back next week and break it all down. Always a pleasure, Glenn. Appreciate you having me on, Rick. Thanks, man. Absolutely. That is Glenn Irby, who joins us here each and every Wednesday. Eagles Newswire, USA Today. Go check him out. Uh, a lot of great content flowing over there from Glenn and his contributors. So uh, we got the Washington Commanders perspective from Nikki Jabavala. At the top of the show, uh, we just got Glenn Irby's perspective from the Eagles right there. Another beautiful segment. And when we come back, 
man, we're an hour of power already into the show. We got another hour of power to go. We'll have Philadelphia's finest, Kayla Santiago, checking in down there from the D.C. area, repping uh, Delmarva Sports. She'll join us after the commercial break. It's all brought to you by Ocean Casino and Resorts. Make sure you hit the like button, and we'll see you after this quick commercial break. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go first. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Get it in here on the Football Playbook TFB with RIC on this Wednesday, September 21st, Part 17 edition. Oh, by the way, 218 days until the 2023 NFL Draft. Counting you down over at the NFLDraftBible.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Make sure you check us out there. I think we're up to over 400 scouting reports already for the 2023 NFL Draft and beyond. Uh, we'll talk more about that 
as this show develops and progresses into the new calendar year, we got to get through an Eagles Super Bowl first uh, before we uh, turn our attention to the NFL draft. But um, man, it's been a great, great show here. Again, Nick, Nikki Jabavala, Glenn Irby, uh, during the first hour, we've got our second hour of power for you ready to go. And that's the beautiful thing about Jacob Sports Network here is you got a lot of great uh, opinions, not just from the hosts, from all the great guests that come on through the show. And I love the banter. I love when the chat room gets interactive with it and says, oh, hey, Rick, did you see what Cilio said? And I try to keep my finger on the pulse with all the different opinions and various perspectives. But I think that's what makes, you know, Jacob Sports so great. It's your home for real Eagles football talk, man. We're not talking silly with it. What the dilly with it? Let's bring on Kayla Santiago, our next guest here with us today, checking in from Delmarva uh, Sports. Of course, Philadelphia's finest. Good morning, Kayla. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Well, I know you're riding high uh, <laughs> off of the Eagles victory. Uh, where were you for Monday Night Football? I know you're down there in the D.C. area where were you amongst your Eagles brethren? Did you take this game in solo? Uh, what was the Monday night football affair like for Kayla Santiago? Unfortunately, I had to work, and that's our busiest time when we're getting ready for a 10.30 sports show, and we're really dialed in at 8 o'clock. But we had a whole projector going on in the office. We were queued in right there. A lot of my friends were taking bets as well, trying to see what Justin Jefferson was going to do. And I was just screaming my head off when I could because – I was shocked at how good they played and what a complete game they played. And it was just awesome to be around everybody that's not Eagles fan and to be able to brag it in their face just a little bit. Well, you mentioned the dreadful JJ word, Justin Jefferson, and uh, it gets Eagles fans a little bit queasy, but not so much after this performance. Darius Slay took him right out of the game, maybe uh, made us forget about the, the draft day blunder just for at least one night, but I mean, listen, Slay's been doing this a long time. He's one of the best in the business. But I think he surprised everybody a little bit with just how much he – we talked about all week, hey, you can't stop Justin Jefferson. You could only hope to contain him. I mean, this was a straight-up lockdown affair. Yeah, and I mean, you look at Darius Slay, right, and you see what he's been able to do over the years with other teams. But for him to be with Philadelphia and to be able to do everything that he has talked about – from those previous teams and on paper against Justin Jefferson. I mean, are you kidding me? When I was watching this performance by Darius Slay, he intercepted it almost three times. And that second pick that he was trying to get, he was shaken up a little bit and then comes right back on the next play and gets the INT. So he was laser focused in that game. You can tell he just enjoys playing ball. He's putting it all out there. He's a well-deserved captain for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Six receptions for Justin Jefferson, no touchdowns. I mean, I don't see anybody right now that's able to defend him that well in the league. And Darius Slay did a phenomenal job on primetime. He was named NFC Defensive Player of the Week for a reason, that Darius Slay, and he deserves it, no doubt about it. He draws another tough assignment this week in Terry McLaren. Uh, we've been talking about the, the the Eagles cornerbacks matchup where, you know, Curtis Samuel is a twitchy guy. Jahan Dotson's in the slot. Maybe Bradbury and Slay flip-flop because Bradbury's kind of the lankier guy. He might have trouble with the Curtis Samuel. Could you see maybe a, a Bradbury on McLaren and, and Slay switching over to Curtis Samuel? Or how do you think the Eagles kind of attack this matchup here? I think they're going to do it the same that they did last week. I think you have your best corner on the best wide receiver. And I think they're going to do that for the pure fact is it really worked 
in week two. Now, if that doesn't work throughout the game, I can definitely see them switching, especially just because I think the Eagles offense can really run it up in this game. And I don't think it's going to be as big of an issue when you talk about how close the matchup will be. So I wouldn't be surprised if second half of Gannon's like, all right, guys, let's switch it up a little bit. The height difference for Slay is just not there. He's getting burned a little bit. Let's try to switch things around for second half play. Eagles already probably have a decent lead at that point. Maybe they'll try it, but with how things worked against the Vikings, I think they're going to go best receiver, best corner. Well, I will say Jonathan Gannon pushed all the right buttons in this game. We uh, we were pretty harsh on him after week one, but we got to you know give credit where credit is due and, and uh, kudos to adjusting because I thought he did adapt and adjust accordingly. We saw – uh, the blitz percentage went from 15% up to mm-hmm. 33%. I think they had 16 quarterback pressures, a lot of them coming on the Kirk Cousins interceptions. Uh, do you anticipate more of the same against our good friend Carson Wentz? Shall we continue to apply the pressure and uh, get get Carson a little nervous back there? I think you have to because – From seeing him with the Philadelphia Eagles and watching tape on Carson Wentz, you know he likes to scramble in the pocket. So as soon as you're able to bring in that pressure, if he has nowhere to go, it's sack on sack on sack or putting a lot of pressure on him where he's not able to make good throws. I think this is the perfect quarterback to do that to this week. And talking about John Gannon real quick as well. I mean, he either heard the Philadelphia media, the Philadelphia fans, or really just sat down and watched a full-length week of tape, looked at it and said, wow, I need to come up with a completely different game plan for Monday Night Football because the improvements that we saw all around defensively in that game were just spectacular. I'm not saying he's my favorite person ever right now, but I'm very impressed with how he was able to adjust. And I think it's a good sign for Philadelphia that they're able to improve that much in week two. But yeah, you have to bring the blitz. I think it's the same game plan that you had against the Vikings. Carson likes to scramble a lot in the pocket. You can really catch him making bad passes if you put the pressure on him all night long. No, I would tend to agree with that. And, you know, I will say that the coaches will never admit they read the press clippings, but (laughs) Jonathan Gannon was definitely in tune, I think, Mm -hmm. with what was being said, because you even saw it during his presser leading up to the Vikings game when he was kind of on the hot seat, he was very calculated. He kind of took a moment to digest the question before he responded because he knew any little thing I say in the Philadelphia media market can and will be used against me, right? We're going to twist (laughs) it. We're going to turn it. But kudos to Gannon for at least being self-aware. And whether it was, you know, the media or doing a self-reflection in the mirror, or him huddling up with uh, Coach Sariani and, and maybe Howie Roseman was involved with the game plan. We don't know, but I, I do think Gannon adjusted. And that's really all you can ask for at this stage of the game, right, is adapt, adjust, but now we've got to keep the pressure on, keep doing what we did. And, and that, to me, will be really uh, a determining X factor in terms of how far this team goes. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. I think each week you're going to have to see – Where can you improve on all assets of the ball? This week, the passing game for Jalen Hurts improved. He did exactly what he needed to do every single play. He was phenomenal on Monday Night Football. On the other side of the ball, the defense taking a step up. Now, you're going to go through the season. It's a long season. There's probably going to be injuries. 
but you have to adjust each and every game. I'm not saying he's going to have a perfect defensive scheme every game. There's going to be some weeks where Eagles fans will probably go back to that, I don't want John Gannon, fire John Gannon, because everybody knows how Eagles fans are. They're very impatient sometimes and not giving him room to grow in that week. But you look at the adjustments, you look at the accountability, and I think that's the biggest thing. He doesn't have this ego where he's like, no, we're going to do it my way no matter what, even when it's the wrong way. He adjusted, he brought the blitz, and at the end of the day, I mean, that defense helped them win the game in Monday Night Football against a phenomenal running back and a phenomenal wide receiver. Yeah, and we didn't even mention about them taking Dalvin Cook out of the game. Mm -hmm. And uh, listen, whether you're a coach or a player, I mean, that's what you sign up for when you ink the dotted line to play on for Philadelphia. It comes with part of the territory. There's a lot of pressure here. It's a big-time media market. There's a lot of beat reporters before and after the game. And uh, Hassan Reddick can tell you all about it, right? The Camden native, he, he said, hey, I expect that from the Eagles fan base. He said, if I didn't hear it, then I think something was wrong. So Reddick gets it. He's from here. Uh, he had a little bit of, of what I would call somewhat of a bounce back week, uh, only played 67% of the snaps, was back in coverage a little bit. Still, you know, I'd still like to see him getting after the quarterback a little bit more. What was your takeaways in terms of how they implemented Hassan Reddick in week two? I think that they're going to have to implement it more in this game. I think this game can really show if he can get to the QB, especially it being Carson Wentz. And this is not talking down on him at all, but you know the quarterback that you're going up against in week three here. You know for a fact that he likes to scramble a lot. You know that he likes, likes to make those premature throws a lot once he's under pressure. He can get out of the pocket a lot when he's in trouble, but this is a perfect opportunity for him to show the pressure that he can put on the QB. And I think this week he's really going to have to show that a little bit more. Once again, though, this is a week-by-week -week circumstance right now. I think you're going to see him get better, but I think when he's going up against tough offensive lines, when he's going up against really good quarterbacks, say Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, even an Aaron Rodgers that the Eagles play a little bit into the year, I think it's going to be tough. I think you're going to see some weeks where you really want him to be better, but I think he can take a step up this week for sure. Yeah, one more on the defensive side. It was good to see Fletcher Cox get involved and, and, and be in the backfield there because he looked, quite frankly, he looked gassed in week one. And I know this defensive line rotation, they've kind of been splitting up the reps. I don't know if that's to help preserve Fletcher Cox. At this point, I think they just kind of want to use a multiple body defensive yeah. line rotation. But Jordan Davis, who we talked about last week, Still just 21 reps there and, and a lot of uh, rotational fronts there. Do you like what you saw there? I mean, it worked. I I mean, I mentioned last week I want more of Jordan Davis, right? And I don't know if it's something that they're seeing in practice. But for the Eagles right now, I mean, everybody kind of has to trust their game plan out. This might not be in as much as everybody wants him to be, but – when he's in, it's working, and it's an effective matter that they're doing. Will we see him a little bit more later in the season? Maybe, but for right now, the rotations that they have. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. 
Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go first. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. I got it again. Rick Saratella here with Kayla Santiago. I don't know. I wore the red shirt. It's like the ghost of Santa Claus came back <laughs> angry about getting snowballs thrown at him and yanked us off the, the air. But we're back here breaking it down uh, with Kayla Santiago, who's checking in down there from the D.C. area, of course, representing Delmarva Sports. Um, I picked your brain on the defense pretty good there, Kayla. Let's shift gears over to the offensive side. The one, the only, uh, Mr. Jalen Hurts. I call him big time money because that's the way he's trending. And I think we're witnessing, I keep saying the maturation of Jalen Hurts. And finally, some of the media are starting to come around and buy in, but not all of the media. We still have some doubters out there. Uh, where are you on the Jalen Hurts uh, thermometer gauge? Surprise. And in a good way, though, because you're talking about a guy who really is in their second full year as a starter. There is so much pressure on him. There are so many expectations that you don't really see, especially considering he wasn't drafted to be a Patrick Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson. There are so many expectations on Jalen Hurts. But instead of falling to that, 
Hertz is putting the work in, he's communicating with his players, and he's getting better each week. I was shocked to see how good he was in the passing game. Everybody knows what he can do running the ball, and everybody knows what decisions he makes when he runs the ball. But his decision-making was really good this game, phenomenal in passing. I mean, that's the best I've seen him so far over the year and a half that he's been in Philadelphia last year as the full-time starter. So I was completely impressed. I mean, putting in Quez Watkins in there as well, getting him a little bit more involved. Would still like to see Devontae Smith get a little bit more involved in that passing game. But once again, it's whatever works for that offense. And it was working against the Vikings. I don't know if it was just Kirk Cousins on primetime or if Jalen Hurts is really just showing up and showing out. But I was impressed, and I hope that continues throughout the rest of the weeks here for the whole season. Yeah, well, hey, I think we saw a glimpse of things to come. Uh, Vegas is telling us the same things. His his MVP odds went from 30 to 1 up to 8 to 1. Uh, Ocean Casino Resorts has him as the third can third most favorite candidate to win MVP after Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And you heard him in the post-game locker room. We left money on the table. Now I don't know if he was talking about the Viking <laughs> game or his future contract, but he felt like, and I agree, they could have even done more in the second half. And that's the one, you know, there's a couple criticisms here. One is the penalties they need to clean up a little bit. Yeah. But two, I think would be finishing, right? Because they kind of took their foot off the gas against the Lions in the second half in week one. And uh, the offense, for as good as it was in week two, they really didn't do a whole heck of a lot in the second half there. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they needed to. I think at that point, you look at your defense and the production that they're able. Now, I do agree with you in that situation because there's not every single day that you're going to get lucky where your defense holds you in the second half like that. We saw it in the Ravens and the Dolphins game. That whole entire first half, you're like, can I flip to another channel because the Ravens are going to win by a million? And then all of a sudden, the Dolphins come back. You can't rest on your laurels in that situation. And I think that's where they're going to have to step up against Washington. But you know, Jalen Hurts is going to figure this thing out as he goes. And he always says rent is due every day. And you can see that constantly in his game plan, how he shows up and how he really is committed to getting better every single day. 26 of 31 for 333 yards passing and one touchdown. I mean, that's a stat line I don't know if I thought I would see in week two from Jalen Hurts. I'm going to be honest with you. Once again, I think these expectations on him are a little bit crazy for him going into year two. And considering that his passing game is one of the things people are worried about and to see that stat line, I think it's really exciting for Eagles fans all over. But I do agree with you. They're not going to get a two interceptions from Darius Slay probably every single game. They're going to need to start to finish a little bit more. And in week three, I think that's something they have to work on against the commanders. Yeah, and I don't think anybody expected Jalen Hurts to play that well. And even me, I'm probably the biggest fan on this network, you know, that's the first game I believe in his career where he threw for over 300 yards and the Eagles actually won as the outcome previously when he had a throw for 300, it was kind of a little bit too much for to ask, but I'm just calling it. Like I said, I see Jeremiah in the chat room. always going to keep me honest here. Is that chill out on the Jalen hurts? (laughs) Well, I'm just calling it. Like I see it guys. I mean, through the first two weeks of the NFL season, Go find me a, a, a better player in the NFL that's improved as much as Jalen Hurts from last year to this year. I get it. It's two weeks. It's a small body of work. I'm just saying I think he's the most improved player in the NFL, and Vegas clearly thinks he's an improved player as well as his MVP odds uh, continue to trend upwards. And, again, I look at this matchup against the Commanders. 
pick and choose your poison, like Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard. We saw Quez Watkins make the big play. Our good friend Glenn Irby said, look for Zach Pascal to have a bigger role yeah. in this week's uh, offensive game plan attack. But if I'm the Eagles, I know they have the number one rushing defense or r- rushing offense, but I think Washington is very vulnerable here or could be vulnerable in the passing attack. Absolutely. And I think if you're Jalen Hurts, this is just a great game for you to keep experimenting with that passing, see how accurate you can be for back-to-back weeks. Because when you go up against these tougher teams, when you have Green Bay and even New York throughout the season, I mean, the Giants are looking pretty decent right now. You're going to need to mix it up a little bit. You can't just do the ground and pound game. And I mean, you talk about A.J. Brown, and I think that's the biggest improvement, not only for the Eagles, of course, as we're seeing, but for Jalen Hurts. You look at a guy like Josh Allen, when they get Stephon Diggs, that makes Josh Allen an even better quarterback. And that is what we're seeing with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. I know it's only week two, and I get it. I don't want to be like, Eagles are going to the Super Bowl or the best team ever. Nothing bad is going to happen throughout the season. But you're seeing these trends where – Really, a quarterback needs to be good based on his receiving core. When you have a number one like A.J. Brown, it makes it a lot more easier and it puts his confidence there on the field. And I think this week, yes, I think they're going to try to run the ball against the commanders. I think that's their game plan to try and win it. But see how accurate Jalen Hurts can be. See how much they can attack. Get Devontae Smith involved a little bit more. See what he can really do. And I just think it's a good way to experiment with the commanders because I don't really think this game is going to be super close. And I think they're going to have the opportunity to do that. Interesting. Okay. Well, you know, we shall see. I think, I think the Eagles should definitely expect to win this game and we'll get a prediction from you before we go. (sighs) Last time I checked, this game was at five and a half Eagles on the road. So they do think that, you know, Philadelphia is about a touchdown favorite, which I think is right about par for the course. Um, However, you know, the run game does have to be efficient once again, we talked about the three-headed uh, monster. It's almost like a four-headed monster when you throw Hurts into the fold. Can they continue to be this effective and impactful using a three-man rotation with the running backs? Yeah, and I think, once again, it goes back to them being worried about the injuries with Miles Sanders. And I think that's the biggest thing. You want to keep your running back one healthy throughout the year. You know his history and what he's been through throughout the Eagles organization so far in terms of being injured. And I think that's why they're doing it. And I think for the pure fact, you're getting these other reps involved. You're seeing guys that really would be that next man up mentality if Sanders has to go out for one to two weeks with that hamstring injury that has been bothering him a season ago. And I just think it works. I mean, you're throwing defenses off guard. What do they plan for? When they're watching tape, do they just plan for Miles Sanders? How much tape can they really watch within the week when you're looking at A.J. Brown, Quez Watkins, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and then you also have to plan for three running backs. And, oh, by the way, Jalen Hurts can also run the ball. So you're planning for all these things. And I think right now for the Eagles, they're throwing defensive off guard with how they're able to use that three running back system. Yeah, and our friend Glenn Irby made a good point last segment, and we haven't talked a lot about it on the show, is Miles Sanders is going to be up for contract. And he mentioned, like, you know, he could command 6 to $8 million a year. But then I start doing the math, and we got to free up some other money for some other players, maybe Jalen Hurts. And I don't know, do you really want to pay big bucks to a running back who only plays 50% of the snaps? Like, at what point? Do we say, hey, Miles Sanders, like, show us that you're this bell cow feature back, take on, you know, tote the rock, or do we just kind of play it this way and 
make that decision in the offseason. That's an interesting point because does Howie Roseman have a conversation with Nick Sirianni and be like, listen, we might have to pay this guy. I need to see what he can do and if he's really worth being able to have on this team. Because you look at the three running back system, you look at Sanders not getting crazy amount of carries, but then at the end of the day, you take Sanders out of that equation and you kind of scratch your head a little bit and be like, I don't really know where to go to because you don't have that running back number one. Now, Gainwell and Scott, of course, very decent running backs, but they're not a running back number one by any means, in my opinion. So I think maybe that's a conversation how Roseman might have a Nick Sirianni as the season goes on. And when you're in those tougher games, when you're playing really good defenses, maybe you really just stick to Miles Sanders and maybe that's the guy you go with. Now, I'll be interested to see what they do when they play teams like Green Bay, even when they play the New York Giants, like I mentioned before throughout the season, the Arizona Cardinals as well, if they kind of shifted a little bit. But I think right now they're experimenting with three. And as the season goes on, I mean, it's a matchup thing, in my opinion, too. Philadelphia's finest, Kayla Santiago here on the Football Playbook, of course, down there in Delmarva Sports. Um, I want to pick your brain. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, Kayla, because as good as the Eagles are playing, you know, we talk about on the show – Roster spots 47 to 53. You're always kind of looking to churn and improve the bottom of your roster. I saw a couple things, a couple blips on my radar yesterday. I want to throw out there to you because two current free agents that I've, I don't want to say I've pounded the table for, but I said, you know what? Maybe the Eagles should kick the tires on these guys. One, I will say Jason Pierre Paul, who brings championship pedigree can help in the pass rush attack, not looking for him to play more than 20, 25 snaps a game. Oh, well, he was visiting the birds yesterday, but not the Eagles. He was down there visiting the Baltimore Ravens. I want to ask you about that. And then also Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, yeah. Brian Dayball has been flirting <laughs> with wide receivers. We saw OBJ at the, the Rams ring ceremony there in week one and the Rams of kept his locker completely intact saying, Hey, whenever you're ready, Odell, we got a spot waiting here for you. And to me, it's like, if you can snatch Odell away from the Rams or away from the giants and throw him onto this roster, I think it's a pretty good move. Now you hear the, the flip side to that argument is hey, you know, not enough mouths to feed we're already having trouble distributing the ball. But again, a guy coming off a ACL injury, is he really being asked to play a, a major role. You could almost say you're signing OBJ to be more of a decoy, if anything else. But uh, two former Giants, by the way, JPP and Odell Beckham Jr. Do you see any room on this roster for either of those guys? I will say I would not be surprised if Howie Roseman somehow pulls the plug because you look back at a team that had this much hype and this much momentum and you think about 2017 and you think about the moves that they made throughout the season that really ended up helping them. For example, Jay Ajayi at the running back position, being able to put him on that team to help the Eagles push even further than they needed to. Now, I will be on the same ways as I think OBJ wouldn't necessarily be a good fit for this team. And I say that because A.J. Brown's your number one. Devontae Smith is your number two. Where does Quez Watkins fit in? Where does Dallas Goddard fit in? And all of that. Now, I think that throughout the season, if he doesn't get picked up, if there's injuries, maybe then you look at signing him to be able to come in and fill that hole. Because crazy things happen in the game of football. If A.J. Brown goes down at 
all throughout the season, you're going to need somebody to go back on. And yes, Devontae Smith, we've seen that connection with Jalen Hurts. But is he a true number one? Is he going to be a guy that's going to be able to be A.J. Brown? I don't think so just yet. He's only in year two. Now, Jason Pierre-Paul, that catches my interest a little bit more. I love the defensive side of ball. I love what they're able to do on defense. And I think he just be Gannon. Once again, he's not going to play every single snap, but I think he would just bring that vet to the locker room. I think that he would be a great fill-in right there, and I think that he could really advance this defense even more than it already is. So if I had to pick one, it would be JPP for sure on the defensive side of things. OBJ, I just don't think right now with the weapons that the Eagles have, unless there's an injury, that he really fits in with this team, if I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, and JPP, I think he can add some depth you know, to this mm -hmm. pass rushing unit. And it's an intriguing fit. You know, if the Ravens are sniffing around, uh, maybe Howie Roseman is doing his due diligence. We shall see. I know uh, Howie Roseman is a guy that never leaves a stone unturned. So we'll find out uh, just a little kind of underlining story to keep tabs on. All right. Now we know Hey, Kayla, sorry about that. I think we're having technical difficulties with uh, Rick's internet. But, you know, you guys were discussing Harry Roseman and the potential moves that he could make uh, to make this team uh, more uh, more formidable. You know, you thought about JPP, and I, I'm, I'm right along with you, right? I'm not sure if Odell would really fit um, with this offense because you have so many miles to feed, where does Goddard fit in, where does Quez fit in, and uh, so on and so forth. But if you were to improve this team, if you were to put on your Harry Roseman hat, your Howie Vision goggles. Where do you see Harry Roseman potentially making a splash move? Because he's done it before that Super Bowl run, uh, okay. JHI. Where do you see Harry Roseman making a move potentially? I think it has to be in the pass rush because we saw it in week one, how it wasn't good. And when you face power backs and what you will face going through throughout the year and your guys get tired, you're going to need that depth and you're going to need that rotation. We've already seen the defensive side of the ball have a lot of rotations throughout the season so far. So I think on the defensive side of things, that's what they're going to do. Now, in terms of getting a guy like OBJ, once again, I just, I really, I like OBJ. Listen, I love the passion that he plays with. I love how he always comes back out. Injury, torn ACL, whatever it might be, he's going to go out there and play. And I'm saying this as growing up near the Philadelphia area and not liking the Giants at all, but he is a baller and I love watching him play. But once again, I just don't think that's somebody that you need on this team. I think that's a little bit of a force. Obviously, you want as many weapons as possible. And would I hate the move if Howie Roseman did it? No, I think they would figure it out. But I think if you're looking at needs and you're looking at something that will make this team better that's already lacking, it's definitely the pass rushing game. Yeah, a couple more questions before we get you out of here. Once again, we appreciate your time. As, uh, yeah, Kayla Santiago from uh, Delmarva Sports. Um, you know, this Philadelphia Eagles team there, so far, looking like looking like one of the teams to beat in the NFC. And if you look at the schedule leading up to the bye, this Eagles team can very well go into the bye being 6-0. It's very plausible because I personally think they're better than the Cowboys. I think they're a better team than the Cardinals. Um, I think that Jags game is going to be tough, but I think we get out with that one as well. Um, I think we handle things with the Commanders also uh, this Sunday. But I'm curious to know, at what point in the season – would you say this team is or should be considered to be maybe a Super Bowl contender? What's the game for you? What's that point in the season where you say, okay, I think this team can do it? 
If you look at the schedule right now, I mean, you look at November 27th, that Eagles versus Packers game, I think can be a really huge determining factor because at that point, Aaron Rodgers is already seasoned. He's figured his team out. And before that, you play the Colts, the Commanders, the Texans, and the Steelers. I don't really think they're going to be tough contests. I just really don't. Maybe the Steelers might be a little bit, but the Texans, Commanders, and the Colts. The Colts look awful this year so far, if I do have to say. So (laughs) I think you look at that. You look at the Packers game. You shift to the following week against the Titans. I think that's an okay matchup for the Eagles. But then you also look at the Giants. And I had this conversation a few days ago because everybody's saying the last game of the year against the Giants might be the determining factor for the division, right? No, I think that game, December 11th, might be the determining factor for the division because you look at both of these teams' schedules and leading up to that Giants game, they're both fairly easy and they might have one or two losses in that time period, right? So you look at that Giants game, that might be a situation where the Eagles might only have a loss and that could drop them to two or the Giants might have two losses that could drop them to three or key them at two and then they're even. So you look at that Packers game, in my opinion, on November 27th, but I think that Giants game, I think if the Eagles can get past that, you're looking at a team that might only have one loss and in that situation, you follow it, the Bears, the Cowboys, the Saints, and the Giants once again. I think that's when you can have, start having those conversations. Absolutely. So, final question. Eagles Commanders on Sunday, 1 p.m. What's your score prediction? How do you think it, how do you think it turns out? <laughs> Listen, I will say last week that I think I predicted the Vikings and the Eagles way too close, and I think a lot of people did and weren't <laughs> expecting it to be the offensive command that they had. So, I'm going to say the Eagles win by two touchdowns. 28 to 14 is my prediction against Washington. I know it's in Washington, but if the Eagles can have the game that they had Monday night, they're going to be in good shape. Okay, I feel you. I feel you. Oh, let me sneak this one in. Let me sneak this one in. Carson Wentz is a guy that likes to hang out in that pocket way too long. How many seconds do we have? I would say three. Three sacks on the day. I think that Carson is... I'm scared for him in this game is all I'm going to say. I think the defense is ready to light him up. They don't have the same running game that the Vikings even do, right? So you look at Kirk Cousins, not the best quarterback, but you have Dalvin Cook back there, and the Eagles stopped Dalvin Cook. I know that because he's my fantasy QB, and he was projected for 18 points, and he got me seven. So it wasn't a great day for me in fantasy. But you look at that right there, and you say, well, they don't have as much of a running command as the Vikings did, and you're talking about Carson, who – Likes to hang in there. I think Carson's going to have a little bit of a better game plan, though. I think he'll release it a little bit quicker. But I definitely think three sacks, possibly four. Um, I think Fletcher Cox is going to be right there. And I know they're friendly, but this game is all about the divisional rival. And I think Cox is going to show up. (laughs) Hey, there you have it, you guys. That was Kayla Santiago from Delmarva Sports. Kayla, once again, thank you so much for being patient with us throughout the technical difficulties. You're always a champ every single Wednesday. Um, We'll see you next week. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great talking Eve with you. And, of course, go Birds. <laughs> Absolutely. You guys, that was Kayla Santiago from Delmarva Sports. She's great as always, you guys. Um, we're going to take a break. Um, we're experiencing some technical difficulties with our guy, Rick Saratella. But, you know, I'm going to hold it down up until we're able to get him back. And if not, hey, you guys, we're going to continue to do our thing. So I'll see you guys after the break. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. 
go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Fans, I'm your guy Tony Just II, filling in for Rick Serratello on the football playbook. First things first, we appreciate you guys for being patient with the content. You know, in this streaming world, in this streaming stratosphere, you cannot make it through without your Wi-Fi hiccups, your electrical issues. We appreciate your patience, and we appreciate you guys for always staying locked in on the content. And luck would have it, our guy, RIC, in the place to be, has returned to the show, my man. How are you feeling, man? What what happened, man? Man, you, you got to tell me what happened. Just now. yo, stay with me, Tone. Stay with me, Tone. So <laughs> as you know, I live out on the Great Island of the Jersey Shore. I mean, you're not going to get more eastern than Lavalette, New Jersey, Exit 82, right here on the Garden State Parkway. So <laughs> they're literally knocking down a house next next door, and I went out there. They must have hit a power line or something. I went out there. You guys only see me from the top up. I go out there in my boxers. I'm trying to find what, what's going on out here. Nobody speaks a, link, a lick of English, so they don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what they're saying. Meanwhile, we're, we're out here in the dark. They, they got me like Sean Merriman, lights out. And, uh, you know, we got it resurrected. But stay with me here, man. The, uh, 
the power lines are not being kind to to the RIC on this Wednesday morning. It's the hump day, Tone. We're trying to get through the week, and uh, they're giving us the beatdown on the technical difficulties today. So absolutely, my man, I get it. I get it. And um, you know, this like I said, I was telling the people, what's what's this streaming age without your electrical or your internet related hiccups, right? You know, I'll tell you, that's that's the business we live in, and we've seen media evolve and. Some of the beautiful things that came from the COVID was our ability to do shows like this over the Wi-Fi. And, you know, occasionally it's the nature of the beast with uh, modern technology. It's not a perfect science, but, uh, man, you can't you can't uh, ever calculate for de- demolition derby going on next door. But, uh, you know, we got about 20 minutes or left until the sports take at noon. Thank you for swooping in once again and, and wrapping up the uh, Kayla Santiago interview and we had Nikki Javavala and Glenn Irby and just all kinds of great perspectives. And I know you, uh, you were able to pop on there at the end of the Mac Mac show. I didn't get a chance to listen in to that segment, but I have it. You were down at the ocean. I didn't really get to pop you on for tones take in terms of the Eagles outcome uh, against the Vikings and how they match up here against the uh, commanders. But how, how is tone feeling about the Eagles uh, week, week three matchup? Oh, man, I feel pretty good about it. You know, I feel more confident about this game than I did about the the Week 2 Vikings matchup, um, mainly because, you know, you had to think about guys like Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook and a guy like Kirk Cousins who can just catch lightning in a bottle. You know, that's just that's just the nature of the beast. And I was pretty concerned about the edge rushers, you know, Daniel Hunter um, and uh, the other guy, I forget his name. Um, but, you know, this week, I'm, I'm really not too worried, but at the end of the day, I always get a little antsy when it comes to his Philadelphia Eagles. You know, Carson Wentz, that's going to be a hell of a matchup. Um, Jalen Hurts versus Carson Wentz, we know we know how that saga ended up. And, you know, I'm, I just, I'm just looking forward to watching the Philadelphia Eagles harass Carson Wentz. I think the emotions are going to be a bit high for him, and I think that's going to lead to him making a lot of mistakes. He's prone for hero ball, and what, he's going to want to play – he's going to want to play a hero – um, when it's Philadelphia Eagles come to town. Yeah, you say it's going to be emotional for Wentz. I think the Philadelphia contingency will be pretty well represented. I think it'll be even more emotional when he comes back to Philly. Absolutely. Do you think, do you think the home crowd will boo him or cheer him? And if the Eagles contingency makes it down to D.C., will, will there be some boos there in the crowd, do you think? Oh, yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, um, especially from the Eagles perspective. Right. Eagles fans travel very well. Um, there's been many a games, many a weeks where the Philadelphia Eagles have taken over FedEx Field and FedEx Field isn't one of the most pleasurable places to be. I've personally never been. Um, but as far as I know, I'm not really missing anything. Um, so um, I fully anticipate uh, the Philadelphia Eagles fans to take over FedEx Field and don't let Carson Wentz start to stink it up out there. He'll be getting booze from two different fan bases. <laughs> but wait wait a second though like i get the russell wilson situation because like russell kind of talked his way or forced his way out of town the eagles didn't want carson wentz here so it's not like you know carson left on his own accord and said hey i'm out of here like you know he had a good moment uh, of eagles history lore here like I, the eagles fans shouldn't really be too upset about seeing carson like maybe they give him a little golf clap no Nah, I like what you're doing there, Rick. You're poking the bear, and I love it. Um, So here's the reality. Eagles fans, and I'm speaking for Eagles fans because I feel like I have a pretty good pulse of this. Mm -hmm. Eagles fans were actually ready to give Carson Wentz another chance in the 2021 season. 
they were ready to give him another shot because they knew nothing went right for the Philadelphia Eagles around that time. Nothing. It wasn't just him. It was the offensive line, injuries. The coaching staff wasn't really doing a good job. Nothing went right. And Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Eagles fans were actually ready to give him another chance. Where things went haywire was when he got benched and Jalen Hurts came in and did his thing. And sure, you know, that was what it was, but it wasn't like Jalen Hurts was definitively the guy as we think he is now, right? Carson Wentz had a very strong chance. Look, he look, he got paid. So he was the guy by default. And the Eagles were ready. He was the Eagles were ready to have him compete at the end of the day. And that didn't sit right with him. Why should I have to compete? And I'm the guy getting paid. That was his mindset. And Carson Wentz never does well with someone looking over his shoulder. He didn't do well with Nick Foles being over his shoulder. He didn't respond well to Nick Foles winning that Super Bowl. He wasn't the same since then. It started early for Carson Wentz. It wasn't just the injuries. From a mental perspective, it was it was Nick Foles doing what he did with that roster. So you bring Jalen Hurts in behind him, still doesn't make him comfortable. But everyone knows why Jalen Hurts was brought in. He was brought in to be a cheap backup. The Eagles were in cap hell at the time, and they needed someone to come in who can provide a spark in case Carson Wentz got hurt. Remember, in the play in the season prior, he made his playoff debut and went out on like the first drive against the Seattle Seahawks. So that was a so that was a that was um alarming for the Philadelphia Eagles. That was alarming for the coaching staff. That was alarming for the front office. That was alarming for the fans. So the Eagles fans didn't push him out of town. Carson Wentz forced his way out of town because they brought Nick Sirianni in. And I know I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but they brought Nick Sirianni in because he had that Frank Reich Indianapolis Colts connection. Remember, they brought Sirianni in before Carson Wentz got traded. They was hoping that would keep Carson Wentz in the building because initially the thought was Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz had an issue. But it turns out that it's a little bit deeper than that. And Carson Wentz, let's be honest, he didn't want to fight for his job. And at the end of the day, he he ran to a situation that was comfortable. He got ran out of town there. And now he's back in the NFC East. It's funny how life comes full circle. Hey, that's why we pop him on. Tony DeShields giving us his take here on the football playbook. Uh, Counting you down to the 12 o'clock hour sports take. Keep it locked all day long on the Jacob Sports Channel. Hey, did you see this story? I haven't mentioned it yet this week, but... Uh, Britton Covey was denied on his way into the game. The parking lot attendant, he tried to park in the Eagles players lot and the parking lot attendant didn't believe he was a player. Did you see this? No, so- I, I did not. I mean, granted, Britton Covey, when you see him in the locker room, he looks like an equipment guy. <laughs> he, 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 he's, he's not that. They didn't believe he was a part of the team. They didn't want to let him into They had to close – Call the uh, executives and had a, a place a phone call and get Britton Covey into the parking lot for the game. But that should tell you. I'm sorry, like mistakes like that. That person, that just tells you like you're not in tune with what's going on around here. Because Britton Covey, even though he's, even though he's not a big player by any means, his name, people know who he is in this city. People know Britton Covey. People know he's on the Eagles. So it it, it was weird. You know, first of all, all you had to do was Google it. Like, it, like, I don't understand, like, how that happens, right? Like, I don't well, know. I don't the funny know. Thing. It looked like he was, like, taking pictures with the fans while the security was checking in to see if he really plays for the Eagles. And meanwhile, you got the fans saying, like, yo, can I get a picture? Can I get a picture? And, uh, yeah, they didn't want to let Kobe in, man. <laughs> I mean, I, they're trying to hold him down off of the 53-man roster. They don't They don't even want to let the man in, in, the, in the employee parking lot now. <laughs> I, I don't, man. That's 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 fascinating to me. But I, I, I have a question for you, Rick. You know, I know uh, 
the Eagles are flying high so far. They're 2-0 very early in the season. And based on the way the schedule is looking, and I asked Kayla Santiago this question as well, you know, uh, the season is looking bright for the Eagles. If you look at the schedule going into the bye, the Eagles can very well go into the bye at 6-0. and But I'm curious to know from you, at what point in the season, at what game, at what mile marker will you be convinced that this team can potentially be considered to be a Super Bowl contender? What's the matchup that you're looking forward to that's going to be the barometer or the litmus test? I think the Cardinals are that matchup. What is that, week six? Really? That's kind of early, don't you think? Well, I mean, I don't think so. No, you you six six games is a third of the way into the season, right? And you're gonna you should have a pretty good feel for whether or not this team is destined to make a big time run. And I think we asked uh, Coach Flip this on a Football Friday. At what point did he feel like, hey, there was something magical going on? And you know, but to me, it's like big time matchups because there's not going to be a lot of them, right? Right. And I think. Because otherwise, I would say the Green Bay Packers matchup, but that's not all the way until November 27th. That's two months from now. So I think we're going to find out before Thanksgiving whether or not this Eagles team, people said they want to see consistency from Jalen Hurts. Well, if he plays consistently leading up to that Arizona game and then outplays an, oh, by the way, $46 million a year quarterback in Kyler Murray. Good point. Good point. Right? That, that to me, like that's – that's a showdown that all cross country, right? If they go in and they leave Arizona, if they leave the desert six and O tone, <laughs> I'm just saying, buckle up. It's going to be a, a long ride into the winter. Yeah. You know, I can, I can, I can see that. I can see that, um, that parallel. Um, and I think the Cardinals are a week five, um, but still though, that's a, that, that's, that, that's, that's still interesting because you're going to be facing off against Kyler Murray, a guy that, a guy that, you know, beat you out last time. Uh, in your rookie season, you come back and beat him in his own on the road in the desert. Uh, you beat out Kyler Murray and you outplay him. That would be a barometer for me from a okay, he's elevated his game, right? But if, you yeah. know, f- from a team perspective, I think for me that matchup might be, and I know it's deeper, but it but let, might let me, be. Let me say this let me say they're undefeated after Arizona, right? Okay, that's it. Got you. How about that? Got you. Got you. I okay, I, I get that. Right, five and zero. I'm with you on that. I like that. And you beat the Cowboys. You're going to the bye six and zero. I think that makes sense. And just for perspective, um, in 2017, when the Eagles won on their Super Bowl run, it's it's unanimously it's unanimously believed that the turning point for the Philadelphia Eagles, that the point where everyone thought that they can really do it, was Week Six when they beat the Carolina Panthers, uh, 28 to 23, I think. So. Um, yeah, you know, you're right. That third, that point in the season where you're about a third of the way deep, you start to see, okay, who's rising to the top, who's starting to fall off, you know, who are the, who's the real deal, who are the pretenders? Yeah, and I think, you know, for the most part, we'll have some sense of clarity a third of the way in. Now, there might be one or two teams that sneak up there in the end, but I think the cream will start to rise to the top. And remember, there were no expectations last year, so... That Lions game, which was the turning point, we didn't even know was the turning point until we looked back at it. They came into this season, myself and Jody Mack included, already we're already anointing the Eagles to be the Super Bowl contender. So with the expectations, should they come out of the gates undefeated, 5-0, and on the road, against Kyler Murray? I know they probably won't have DeAndre Hopkins. Even so, to me, that would be a big statement saying, hey, 
we're for real now. So that's what yeah. I want to see. You know, I, I hope, I hope that we have that storyline to talk about. It'll be exciting times here in Philadelphia. Yeah, for sure, man. It's definitely an exciting time right now. And, you know, I just, I'm, I think back to that Vikings game, man. And I'm just like, I didn't see that performance coming. I didn't, I knew he would slowly take his game to another level, but it just seemed like he took a drastic jump from week one to week two. Yeah. I mean, I think that we heard about the pre, cause we didn't really see it in the preseason. He only played one, one series, of, uh, one drive. Right. But from, from what I heard anyway, was he's got renowned confidence. He's feeling really good. His mechanics were improved. And I mean, again, it's only two weeks, but just the way that he's gotten rid of the ball more than a half a second faster. I don't know. The accuracy looks better to me. That looks like he put a lot, a lot of time, a lot of work uh, and commitment, which we know he does. Like you know, who works harder than Jalen Hurts? Carson Wentz ain't putting in that work, right? So, I mean, that's why he's here. I can't say that I expected him to have this all-time great career performance. But again, I do think it's a foreshadowing of what a great quarterback he can be and can continue to state his case and prove that to us. So, you know, it's not, it's a storyline that's not going away tone, right? Like it's going to be here to me. It's just a matter of not, if you pay Jalen Hurts, it's how much do you pay him? Right, right. It's going to come down to those guaranteed dollars as it always does. And, you know, I do have my concerns, not really from Jalen Hurts, but, you know, we've committed a lot of money to a quarterback before prematurely, and it didn't really pan out too well for us. But the, the significant difference, the nuance that has to be acknowledged is the caliber of the player's mentals, right? Carson Wentz was a guy who never really was challenged growing up. He was always the bigger, stronger, uh, faster guy on the field, you know, coming in from a – um, a D, not D two, but uh, double. What's what's it? The FCS is is is, is that yeah. what it is? You know, in North Dakota North State. Dakota so State, yeah. he never really had to deal with any real challenges. You know, he's always the big man on campus. You know, he comes to Philadelphia, a very big market, a market that's unforgiving, and you know, he never really seemed like he fully ingratiated himself with the mentality. You know, the lifestyle, the the blue collar, the blue collar mindset of the city. Whereas with Jalen Hurts. He seems like he's Philly through and through. He seems like he was made for this market, the way he carries himself. I was watching this post-game press conference after that Vikings win, and he just looked like a different guy. He just looked so poised and professional. He just looks like he's all business, man. Like, you know, you know what they say, you know, you know, you know what Jay-Z said. Um, he said, uh, I'm not a businessman, I'm a I'm a businessman. So <laughs> so man, Jalen Hurst is Jalen Hurst is big business right now, and he just he, you know, he just fits perfectly into this city. His mentality is built to last. And like I said, you know, Carson Wentz was a guy that was kind of mentally fragile, mentally shaken that it appeared to be. I don't know him personally. I want to make that very clear. But Jalen Hurts, a guy seems that no matter what happens, he's here. He never gets too high, never gets too low. And I'm willing to go to war with it. I trust that. I trust that level of consistency from an emotional perspective. I don't trust someone with emotional um, irregularities. Yeah, and I was just going to say to that point, I, I feel like part of me feels like the money got to Carson's head where he felt like in his head, maybe, okay, I've arrived. I just got all this money and I didn't see the same kind of work ethic 
that you see from a Jalen Hurts. And Tone, I got to be honest, you could give Jalen Hurts $40 million a year. I'm not even going to blink or think about him taking his foot off the gas pedal. Like, I think his hunger and desire to be great. Uh oh, I think we lost Rick uh, for the final time. Him checking out. Oh, we got him back. We got him back. Okay. <laughs> hey, Rick, you there, man? Uh oh. I think we lost Rick, you guys. Uh, but yeah, you know, you guys were locked in on the football playbook. You know, like I said, this is this is a very big year for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, Jalen Hurts has positioned himself in a way that you can't help but to support this guy. You can't help but to get behind him. And, you know, he still has a long way to go. Let's make that very clear. He has to be able to stack these days. He has to be able to stack these reps. And if he can prove that he can play like he played against the Vikings, if he can do that for an extended period of time, if he can be lights out like that. Now, look, no one's going to complete 80% of their passes every every game, every week. That's not going to happen. Um, but you do have those spots, right? But if he can become a consistent thrower in terms of 65 66 68%, if he's completing that percentage of his passes, then – what more can you ask for from the guy, right? But you know, we're gonna be we're gonna begin to close out the show. We appreciate you guys always for staying patient with the content, staying locked in as always. Make sure you guys smash that like button, make sure you guys remain engaged in the content. You know, make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. Next, we have the sports the sports take guys coming up. That's Bear Brooks, Derek Gunn, and Rob Ellis. Those guys do amazing work. And look, man, the sky's the limit for your Philadelphia Eagles. They're two and right now. You have your Washington Commanders on Sunday. We're going to continue to preview this matchup throughout the week. I'll be your humble host, Tony DeShields II, filling in for Rick Serratella. You guys were locked in on the football playbook. See you later, you guys. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds.
Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.